Sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. When you ask someone to do something for you, you can always trust that they're going to do it. Right? Well, you at least hope you can. Um, sometimes that happens. I'm sure that all of us could think of at least one person in our lives who's always eager to say yes, but then they don't follow through. So then you have to ask them to do it again and again until they finally do it, right? The mom who asks her teenage son to take out the trash knows that she's going to have to ask multiple times. Did you take out the trash? No. An hour passes. Did you take out the trash yet? No. And on and on. You ask your coworker for their report first thing in the morning. And he promises you, yeah, I'll get it to you in just a little bit. Well, then it's lunchtime and still nothing. So you pop back over to their desk. Hey, were you still going to send me that report? Oh, yeah, sorry. I just needed to get a few other things done. I'll get it to you as soon as I can. But then it's 5 o'clock. You're packing up your things, and guess what? Still no report. As you're walking out, you run into that co-worker, and when he sees you, he promises you he's going to get it to you right away tomorrow morning. Sure he will. We can't always trust people to do what they say. So we often feel the need to ask the question, will you really do this? But when it comes to God, you don't need to ask. The answer is yes. God's gospel message to us, it's not yes and no. It isn't something that's unreliable. But there are some people in our reading for today that wanted the Corinthians to think that. Let me give you a little bit of context. The Apostle Paul, a missionary, wanted to return to the city of Corinth, a city that he had visited on one of his earlier journeys. Now, Paul was planning to go visit them twice, but then plans changed. Paul could only go visit them once. On first glance, that's not a big deal, right? These kinds of things happen, plans can change, but Paul's enemies were desperate for anything. So they jumped on this opportunity to create doubt in what Paul had preached to them. Paul preached that there's forgiveness in Jesus, right? But can you really trust Paul now? He's showing you he's unreliable. Don't trust his message. Sometimes we're tempted to doubt the reliability of God's message too. Maybe it's something you see online. Another scholar claiming to have found another piece of evidence that proves the Bible isn't God's word. Maybe it's the tough times God is allowing in your life. Is God really taking care of me like he promised he would? Maybe it's looking around at the world we live in, seeing sin run rampant and thinking, does God really have control like he claims he does? Because it sure seems like things are getting out of control. Or maybe it's even a little bit closer to home. 
Maybe it's those reminders of a past sin that have been seared into your brain for the past 5, 10, 30 plus years. It was such an awful thing. Does God really forgive me for that? But God's message to you is still yes. Listen again to how Paul starts his defense. But as surely as God is faithful. In court, lawyers will sometimes bring up a character witness. It's their way of defending their client by saying, look at his character. He's an upstanding citizen. He's reliable. He's consistent. He's a good guy. Paul is doing exactly the same thing here. But you'll notice, he's not bringing up his own character. Because the faithfulness of God's message doesn't depend on the messenger. But it depends on God, the one who sends that message. God doesn't say one thing and then do another. God doesn't tell you, you are forgiven in Jesus as long as you do X, Y, and Z. God means what he says, and then he does it. Just look at Jesus. He is the flesh and blood example of God's faithfulness. Jesus Christ was not yes and no. Think about Jesus' life. Think about all of those promises that he made. He promised to live a perfect life. Check. He promised to die on the cross. Check. He promised that he would rise from the dead. Check. All of those promises came true. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. All of the promises in the Bible revolve around Jesus. As soon as Adam and Eve fell into sin, God promised to send a seed, Jesus, who would come to crush the devil's head. The power to forgive sins didn't come from the numerous animals sacrificed year after year by the Israelites but it came from God's promise attached to those sacrifices. A promise that was completed when Jesus fulfilled those promises, when he sacrificed himself on the cross. God's people didn't need to ask God, are you really sure? Will you really do this? Are we really forgiven? Because the answer was yes, in Christ. And God could promise those things even a thousand years before Jesus was on earth. Because in his view, it had already been done. You see, God exists outside of time. So he already knew everything Jesus would accomplish in the future. That's why those promises were all fully guaranteed. Picture it like this. You're stuck on I-20 in rush hour traffic. You can't really see that far up ahead. You're not sure what's going on. But the news helicopter circling up above, it can see everything that's happening on the road. It sees what's causing the jam. It sees how it's affecting the rest of the traffic. It can see everything. The Israelites could only see the immediate future. But God... He could see it all. That's why it has always been yes. So you don't need to ask. 
Just say, Amen. Yes, so shall it be. This is certainly true. Go back to God in prayer. Hold Him to His promises. Because when you do that, you're bringing glory to God. You're confessing that God is faithful just like He tells me He is. God's promises are not yes and no. They're resounding yes. Okay, we know that God is faithful, but that doesn't change the fact that I'm not always faithful. Like I said earlier, we we doubt God, even though we know He is fully trustworthy. So that might lead us to ask, how can I make myself more certain in God? How do I know that my hope is answered yes? Well, what's wrong with that question? How do I make myself more certain in God? It's all focused on the wrong person. On me. If God's promises depended on how strongly I can hold on to them through faith, then I'm in a lot of trouble. Because my faith has faltered before. When we want our hope to be certain, we need to go back to God for strengthening. After all, where did our hope come from in the first place? It came from God. Listen again to what God has done for us. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts. Anointed us. He set us apart as his special people. Set his seal on us. We have new ownership. It isn't sin. It isn't the devil, but it's the faithful God. And he put his spirit in our hearts. Our hope began the moment God made his presence in us. For some of us, that was the moment we were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. For others, it was hearing or reading God's powerful word for the very first time. And God doesn't just start our hope and then tell us, well, good luck, you figure it out. No. He continues to make us stand firm in Christ. Jesus did exactly that in the gospel for today. When he assured that paralyzed man all of his sins were forgiven by telling him to get up and walk. When you read God's word, you hear Jesus answering all of your questions about his promises with a firm yes. When you receive Jesus' body and blood in the Lord's Supper, you receive God's yes, that promised forgiveness in a real and tangible way. You don't need to ask. The answer is yes. God created our hope. He continues to strengthen that hope, and on top of all of that, he guarantees the thing that we hope for. Our hope, it's now locked in on God's promise that one day we will live forever with Him in heaven. But how can we be sure? Well, God has given us the down payment, His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit. And Paul makes it clear, this is guaranteeing what is to come. It's just the first part. We don't need to ask, 
if God will give us the rest because that down payment, it says yes. It's on the way. More is coming. When you buy a car from the dealership, you have to place a down payment, right? Picture it from the salesman's point of view. That initial payment is your promise. A promise that you will keep on making those payments until it's been paid off in full. The spirit in our hearts is God's down payment. It's his promise. It's just a taste of what's still to come. And so now we eagerly wait for that future day when we get to experience salvation made complete at home in heaven. When you find yourself doubting in the hope in God's promises, don't keep your eyes glued to yourself, but lift them up to God. He's the one that created your hope. He's the one that strengthens your hope. And he's the one that guarantees the very thing you hope for. You don't need to ask. His answer is yes. Part of life will be continuing to deal with people who say one thing and do another. Who say yes, but then change their answer to no and and back again. But the next time that happens to you, don't fixate on how frustrating it is. But take comfort that our God is nothing like that. You don't need to ask God if he'll follow through. Because he's already given us his answer in the Savior. Yes. And at this moment, his spirit, it's in your hearts. It's his promise for your future hope of heaven. God has given us his answer. And we can trust it. Yes, in Christ. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please stand. We continue by confessing our faith together using the words of the Nicene Creed printed on page 12.